Charlotte, North Carolina. You're listening to the Crown Town Cast, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now, here are your hosts, Zach Hall and John Horn. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the show. I am your host, Zach Hall. I am flying solo today. So this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, but uh, don't skip around. Don't skip this episode. Coming up later in the show, I talk with co-host of ESPN Charlotte's new soccer show, uh, the Second Yellow Soccer Show. Uh, Brad Barnett is going to join me on the show. We're going to talk about the news uh, coming out a couple weeks ago about Memorial Stadium and Charlotte Independence and a proposed $20 million renovation. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, but let's quickly hit some news surrounding Charlotte before we get to that interview. Speaking of Memorial, uh, we will discuss that in the interview coming up later. But uh, in case you didn't know, on July 8th, Charlotte Independence is going to be making their official proposal for a $20 million renovation to American Legion Memorial Stadium just outside the uh, 277 Loop in Elizabeth neighborhood, uh, just outside Uptown Charlotte. Um, Memorial has been the proposed home permanent home, at least, for Charlotte Independence since they announced back in September of 2014. They've yet to play a game there because the field is too narrow and also just because it's kind of a, uh, let's be honest, uh, a shitty stadium. Um, the the managing partners of Independence also manage the Charlotte Hounds, uh, Major League Lacrosse's team here in Charlotte. They play at Memorial Stadium. They're able to draw more fans than Independence does out at their temporary home in Ramblewood Park. Um, regard, I mean, neither soccer or lacrosse are huge sports here in the South. Um, but for a lacrosse team to be outdrawing a, a professional soccer team, um, you kind of have to wonder what what's happening there in the background uh, to those outside the Charlotte area. I can tell you right now it is uh, location, location, location. So the idea of independence moving to Memorial, um, not a new one. It's basically what fans have been waiting for for almost two years now. Now it seems to actually potentially be happening very – could be happening soon. So July 8th is the uh, official pitch. I'm not entirely sure if that meeting is open to the public or not. Uh, be watching uh, Crown Town Soccer on Twitter and uh, crowntownsoccer.com because if it is public, I definitely want to let everybody know because we we definitely should try to get as many people as possible um, supporting independents who would push for this move um, and this renovation. Uh, we want to come out in full force and lend the team and really the sport uh, our voice and, and backing. Um, but Again, uh, I'm going to be talking with Brad uh, later in the show about Memorial. Um, but I also want to hear your takes on the Memorial push. It's a $20 million renovation. The The cost would be split between the the team, county government, and city government. Um, so there will be public funds for this renovation. I, I want to know, do people think that the public use of funds to, to renovate Memorial Stadium is, is worth it? Independence and the Hounds wouldn't be the only tenants. There would still be high school football games going on. Independence would not own the stadium. They would just be a tenant, the main tenant most likely, um, even though uh, 
from my discussions with the the front office for both hounds and independence with the hounds as their current really only permanent tenant it seems like the city and county still forget that they exist and and do stuff there um so i don't know how much real pull that means to the the city and county government but uh july 8th is the pitch to the the county board of commissioners after that if the board um believes that uh, the renovation and the proposal is worth discussing they will begin discussing it in august uh at their next session um so this is going to be another slow moving process that fans just need to be going ahead and providing for we're not going to find out on july 8th or the day after that memorial is happening and we're going to get a timeline and that kind of thing this is still going to be a bit of a process that fans need to prepare themselves for. You have to ask your ask yourself the question: What if the county board isn't interested? If you talked to independence owner, managing owner Jim McPhilly, Amy, the entire point of the team is to move into Memorial, begin playing professional soccer in Uptown Charlotte, and eventually make an expansion bid for Major League Soccer. July 8th could, I mean, it, as from what I understand, it might be the, the beginning of the end for this independence ownership group. If this ownership group doesn't see a way of moving closer to uptown to building a stadium to potentially at least make a bid for MLS, I don't know if MLS is going to come or not, but if they don't succeed in convincing the board of county commissioners that this is worthwhile use of public and private funds i wonder how long independence will last they're losing two million dollars a year they lost two million last year projected to probably lose about the same this year just because of poor attendance not making enough money at the gates but i want to hear your thoughts uh, you can tweet us at Crowntown Soccer, email us crowntownsoccer at gmail.com if you have some longer form thoughts. Because I, uh, this is, I mean, this is kind of it for Independence fans. Um, would love to hear hear what you think. News uh, coming out of Charlotte this week: Rapids have with uh, withdrawn. Emmanuel Apia, who was a central midfielder on loan with Independence. Not a huge deal. Apia didn't see a lot of minutes. Don't think he ever started. Might have started. Um, if he started a game, it might have been that Charlotte Eagles U.S. Open Cup game where we, we saw some rotation in the starting lineup. He was never really going to... He, he was not going to be a breakout player in the same way that Caleb Calvert was in this first half of the season. So we'll see. I mean, right now the only player, unless I'm, unless I'm mistaken, I think the only player currently on loan is John Burner, goalkeeper. He is on a season loan, but at the same time, so was Caleb, and so was Apia. And I'm starting to wonder how much. I, I, I'm starting to think that this relationship with Colorado Rapids has run its course. It, they were 
the players were useful last year, partially because, I mean, it was the first year, and the team was still trying to build a roster. It didn't do a great job at building that roster at the beginning of the season just because they didn't have a whole lot of players available to them. They didn't have a scouting network really set up, even though they hired hired guys with experience at this level, especially GM Tom Engstrom, who's been in the league for a long, long time, had connections uh, with both college programs and the other professional teams in the in the country. But the Rapids were definitely useful, um, made some use of their super draft picks. John Burner was starting goalkeeper um, last year and, and was useful. Caleb Calvert came off the bench and made some quality uh some quality appearances. Marlon Harrison made a, a big impact at the beginning of the season last year. This year, went out and signed a starting goalkeeper. Cody Mazel performed very, very, very well. Solid. John Werner returns from injury, replaces Mazel in the starting lineup. We've seen some poor results. I'm not saying it's Burner's fault that we've seen poor results for independence, but when you're looking at Looking at the roster, it doesn't make any sense to having having a starting quality goalkeeper who you're paying presumably starting goalkeeper money sitting on your bench just because you have a Rapids goalkeeper on loan. Caleb Calvert, very useful in the first three months of the season, was starting forward, notched a couple of goals, seemed to really work well with the rest of the forward line, uh, interchangeable, um, made some really great connecting passes, formed a good relationship with uh, wingers like Estrada, Martinez. But now he he did so well. The Rapids want him back in there in their camp and in Denver and training with them. I don't blame them. He's theirs. But at the same time, has this if we're not going to continue to get quality players from the Rapids, if we're just going to see players coming in and out, I would much rather just have 18 guys who are all signed to independence, controlled by the independence front office and the coaching staff, and 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 see consistency instead of having to constantly make tweaks to the starting lineup here and there because of what players are available from Colorado. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on Colorado. Let's talk about that. Last thing to talk about before we get to my interview with Brett Burnett. Charlotte Independence uh, last uh, a couple of weeks ago announced the this new program called uh Bus and Brews, Bus and Beers, Bus and Brews, where fans can purchase tickets for the bus, meet it uh meet the bus at Reraz in Uptown Charlotte, get on the bus, included with your your ticket to the bus is three beers. You can get tickets that include a match ticket or not if you're already a season ticket holder, already have a match ticket to the game. It's more marketing towards the millennial or the young professionals that seem to be where professional soccer in general in this country seems to be marketing to. I'm going to ask Brad in our interview about that and whether or not this is the right move for Charlotte and for Charlotte Independence at this time. But I think it's a great move. One of the biggest complaints about Ramblewood is having to drive out there, having to deal with parking. At the very beginning of last year, there was talk about getting a bus going from hooligans to the games. And we, we saw, I think we maybe did that once. 
tailgating can't really happen at Ramblewood because of ABC permit issues. They opened up the mech deck for pregame, but uh, I myself have not made it out there for any of that uh, activity. I can't tell you what the atmosphere is like an hour, an hour and a half before the game, what the numbers were like for the deck. If you've been to the deck for the pregame, reach out. Let me know how it was, if you enjoyed it, what's going on. But I really like this concept of Bus and Brews. We just have to just have to find out what are the numbers going to be like. Is it is the team going to continue doing it? Is it worth their while to make that extra money? I'm assuming that there's some kind of profit margin for them. Doubt that they're doing it at cost. But, uh, I mean, being able to park uptown, you might already be hanging out there on a Friday, Saturday night. Get some food at Reraz. Maybe get an extra drink while you're there. Hop on the bus. Don't have to worry about driving. Don't have to worry about traffic. Don't have to worry about parking. Just go to the game. Enjoy your beer. Hop off the bus. Walk to your seat. Enjoy the game. Game ends. You walk out of your seat. You walk back on the bus. And you get to sit and either celebrate or commiserate for... 20, 25 minutes as you head back to Uptown. I, I think it's a great idea. I just wonder, is that the demographic that is best, the best use of their time? Anyway, we've got three topics today. We've hit them all. Let me know what you think on Twitter at CrownTownSoccer. Email CrownTownSoccer at gmail.com. Or you can call us. Leave us a voicemail. On our hotline, 704-780-4667, 704-780-4667. Give us a call, let us know, we'll play your voicemail on the air, maybe answer some questions. But coming up now, after the break, my interview with Second Yellow Soccer Show host Brad Barnett, ESPNCharlotte.net. Be right back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thank you for staying with us. Joining me on the line today is the co-host of the new soccer podcast coming from ESPNCharlotte.net, uh, Mr. Brad Barnett. Thank you for joining me today, Brad. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, just uh, for a little background, you and our friend Matt Garner, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, president of the Queen City Outlaws, also a founding member of, of Jack's Militia. Um, you guys have started a new show over at ESPN Charlotte. Um just give us just a quick plug and in, in, in a background like what you guys have talked about in the the past couple of weeks since you started. Yeah, sure. So it's a um, it's basically nothing more than an additional voice for the soccer community in Charlotte. Um, we were approached to to do something similar to this and uh, just kind of ran with it. The beautiful thing is we have a little bit of flexibility in terms of what we can talk about. Mm-hmm. So we do cover a lot of the national teams, both men and women, and of course we discuss independence as well. Um, probably break into a little bit of the European side when it's all said and done. But mm-hmm. honestly, it's just to, to complement you know stuff that's already going going on in the area and 
hopefully draw a little bit more attention to the beautiful game in the Queen City. One of the things that you guys talked about on uh, this week's show um, and that I haven't personally gotten a chance to talk about on the air is um, that through the the Charlotte Business Journal and the Parks and Rec manager for the the county, um, we we now know that Independence is going to be making its official pitch to the the county board of um, commissioners for a $20 million renovation of Memorial Stadium. This is the renovation that we've all been talking about now for almost two years. Um, and uh, it would the, the finances be split between the team, the county government, and the city government. Um, uh-huh. We all... We all have our own thoughts on Ramblewood and whether it's its pros and its cons. Uh, there are plenty on both sides. Um, but uh, can you just give like what what are your initial thoughts on on Memorial Stadium in general? The just without knowing any more details other than a twenty million dollar renovation to the stadium. Do you think this is the this is the right move for professional soccer in Charlotte? Personally, I feel like it's the only move. Um, it, it, unless you plan on building a, a soccer-specific stadium somewhere else in the city, and I don't even know that you can. Uh, I don't know if there's any land. Uh, Memorial is the only option. And as uh, as Jason Bailey, who uh, co-hosted with us as well on the first show, said that if you, if you can't get Memorial, you might as well just fold. And nobody wants to see that happen. Um, but you need to have Memorial, uh, and it's... Ramblewood is, is a necessary evil, and it's something that we have to live with at the moment. But if we can't get into to Memorial, uh, there's no way, in my opinion, that the independence can be successful. Uh, and it's not just the uptown view. It's just the fact that everybody knows where it is. Um, I've talked to several people who aren't soccer fans who are well-connected in the, the sports community in the city, and they've asked me where Ramblewood is because they've never heard of it. And I realized it was geared more toward the uh, the diehard fan, if you will. And that's great, and that's not really going to drive attendance. So Memorial, to me, is, is the only option, and I think it, it you, you have to get it there. I mean, if you look at the, the Hounds, um, they're not selling out, obviously, Memorial, which is a relatively large stadium, but they are having a lot more success than Independence on Ramblewood, so... I think I think it's necessary, and the sooner the better. And if if it's going to be five years, start telling us that now so that we can get behind the team and understand. Because right now, I think it's just an uncertain future all the way around. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when this team was initially launched, like I, I said a little bit earlier, almost two years ago now, Memorial was always going to be the permanent home of Independence, and we're now, you know. A, um, let's say twenty months into this thing, and without no with no date for anything memorial. So the really the first solid date that we've had is this July eighth meeting, um, with then August being if if that pitch is successful in July, being able to go to the larger group and potentially con- and continue working on a deal in August. I mean, there is no certainty that we could even get a deal. The, the team could have a deal in place and announced um, in August, September. It might take the city and county governments a while to be able to hammer this home. But 
Brad, do you think you mentioned five years? Do you think that this team can can survive another? I mean, a bare minimum two, realistically three or four years before it can move to Elizabeth and Memorial Stadium. I've, if you have if you have Memorial as the final destination, and you know you'll be there, you can start gearing your marketing towards that. So that that's been one of the biggest failures, I think, um, so far is with the uncertainty. Ramblewood seemed to be more and more like a permanent home, mm-hmm. which is not what anybody expected nor wanted. And uh, we, we brought this up on our last episode, but it's you know the the marketing side of things has been very lax and. Uh, you know, the, the bus and bruise was a good idea. Uh, they tweeted out a couple times with the official watch party for uh, for the match coming up, but it's just been it's been almost like they're in conserve mode, just trying to save as much money as possible. Right, and it I don't know. It doesn't seem to be working. Are. They seem they're they're losing like no. two million dollars the past two years each, so it doesn't seem to be yeah. working very well. No, no, and and that's part of the reason Swansea's coming in. That you know. Uh, to try to help boost that. And I will give credit where credit's due. I've been to Ramblewood. I've watched the game. And it's not a bad place to watch the game once you get there. However, you know, I, I as a father, I, I want to take my kids there. And, and when we took them there, they told me they didn't want to come back because there's nothing for them to do. Um, which, you know, I don't want to go to a soccer game to, to bounce around the bouncy house, but it's nice to know if my kids can. Uh, at least they can have fun while I sit there and watch the game. So, you know, to answer your question, can they survive? Uh, I would hope so. I don't know how deep the pockets are. Uh, but I can almost guarantee that they were anticipating low attendance and taking the loss the first few years of existence until Ramblewood, uh, until, sorry, until Memorial became available. And I just think you have so many more marketing opportunities once you get to Memorial. And, and Matt Garner said it best the last show. He said he's probably been to a dozen nights games. Couldn't tell you the score of any of them, but he goes and he has a good time. He looks at the skyline, you know. He, he drinks his beer and he just he just enjoys himself, given the atmosphere. You don't have that where they are right now, and yeah. I think you would when you got to to Memorial. Speaking speaking of the Knights, you and you and Matt on your last episode brought up the topic of the the Independents potentially playing a few games at BB&T Ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's How present, great would that be? I, I think it would be awesome, personally. I mean, you, you have uh, other USL teams playing in similar situations, specifically Louisville mm-hmm. playing in the Louisville Sluggers Ballpark. And um, I, I think on the, the flip side, you have uh, MLS teams playing in MLB parks. Um, and generally that hasn't looked good on uh, the field or – um, on TV angles and stuff, but we really don't have to worry about any of that in Charlotte. Really, no. really, if, if Independence played games at BBT Ballpark, it would just be an incredible opportunity to get in front of uh, a new audience that just are mm-hmm. not willing to to make the drive out to Rimblewood. Um, and Brad, that, you're, you're specifically it. such a, a cool, you're an interesting demographic because you are a soccer diehard. You've written about soccer you have a, a a podcast talking about soccer and you're also a father of soccer playing children who are interested in the game and and as you just said they're not interested in going back to ramblewood just because there's not that family atmosphere um yep. do you think that 
some of that is just I, I, my my big question, I guess, with uh, this team and in Independence, the marketing has always been geared towards those soccer diehards, and families have kind of been left out of most of the marketing plans, most of ticket promotions, um, that kind of thing. I mean, really, the only thing they do is host um, host like group rates for youth soccer teams and have them come in, maybe play like for five minutes at halftime out on the field, that kind of thing. But um, mm-hmm. compare that to the Charlotte Eagles, who I was able to attend their uh, several of their Open Cup matches this year. They've got multiple, like, I mean, you you said bouncy houses, and it's literally what they have, you know, backed up, you know, to where, and they're at, at their small, small facility where they play, like, parents felt comfortable being able to stand at the top of the stands and keep an eye on the game while knowing that their kid is, you know, 20, 30 feet behind them playing on the, playing on the, you know, play set and that kind of thing. Is that what it's, it's probably it's going to take for professional soccer to be successful in Charlotte, at, at least at this level? I mean, when, when we're talking about minor league, third division, are the soccer diehards going to come out? Or are you going to have, like, does there have to be some kind of dependence on a, a family atmosphere? That's a, that's a great question. It's, so if you look at at this level, and I think and I always compare it to minor league baseball because that's what it is. It's a minor league team. You know, it's professional, but it's minor leagues. You know, you're you're underneath the Colorado Rapids, who is you're basically a farm team. And in this league, in this level, nobody cares who wins or who loses, and that's the bottom line. If they were to go off and win the USL championship this year, it's not going to matter. They can tout it as being the winner, but it's not going to drive you know people into the stands. What it is, it's creative marketing. It's opportunities for families and, and not only just families, but several demographics to be able to go to a game to enjoy themselves for whatever case that may be and whatever, whatever need they're, they're searching for. Uh, you know, if I wanted to take my, my two girls to, to the game, which I, I played soccer, I coach soccer, I write about soccer, I do a podcast on soccer, um, I'm married to a soccer player, um, both my kids have played soccer, and one of them plays at the classic level now. We're a soccer family, and if I wanted to do that, it would cost me right around you know, forty-five, fifty dollars just for tickets alone. And then, you know, if I get there and I want to have a drink, it's depending on which company I go with. You know, it could cost me another five to seven. If my kids want to eat and talk about, I mean, you're talking sixty, seventy-five dollars to go to a place where nobody really wants to be because there's in my family because there's no. There's nothing for the little ones to do. And I think that they're missing the boat on that. I, I really do. And I've been a part of the, the youth soccer days at the stadium. Um, you know, that's just a cheap way to get, to get fans into the seats and to fill it up. But I think you're going to have to find, and hopefully this happens at Memorial. You know, I don't want to discount the marketing altogether because I think they're still conserving, like I said. But mm-hmm. I think you have to find the demographic that's going to you know, keep the keep the millennials, if you will, because they're the ones that are making it. The, I think I saw a report that was the second most popular sport, uh, you know, in the U.S. right now, technically among like twelve to twenty-seven year olds or something crazy like that. But mm-hmm. you want to keep continuing them, and I think you can do that with you know the beer specials and the craft beers and, and hitting on their stuff. But you have to figure out a way to bring families in. You need to make it an event, and you know. When we go to Knights games as a family of four, 
the girls love it because they have a chance to go, you know, take a picture with Homer. They have a chance to go to the gift shop and, and tour around. They have stuff that's geared for them. And I think any minor league stadium or any minor league team has to gear themselves to the families in some way, shape, or form. And I think that they're missing the boat on that. And I hope that changes. I really do. And not just at Ramblewood, because I don't think there's the space to do the bouncy houses at Ramblewood or the liability issues. And I understand all that from a business standpoint. But you can still you can still do something to help get the, the you know the, the families in. Um, I think it's a I think the ticket prices right now at Ramblewood are if a kid is under a certain age and can sit on your lap and doesn't have to require a seat, then they can get it for free. But you play in the summer. Like I don't want to have a kid sitting on my lap. Um, you know, I, I just there's different promotions that can be done, and it's a delicate balance that they have to walk. Uh, you know, do you? Do you try to give free away free seats when somebody would be willing to pay for that? Given the attendance, I think you could give away two-thirds of the stadium and it still wouldn't be full. And that's a harsh reality right now. And I hope that changes in due time. But they've got to start marketing to different demographics, not just the you know early 20s uh, people who live in South End who enjoy their craft beer. Because that doesn't appeal to me. I live in Union County and I don't drink. So, right. You know, aside from soccer, what else is there for me and my family to go? But I think they're missing that. I really do. Brad, last question before I let you go. One, uh, sure. you mentioned attendance, and and obviously, any anybody paying attention knows that Independence has among the worst attendance in USL, and a lot of people attribute that just to uh, Ramble Woods' location and and making it difficult for for people to come out. Um, but this is like they're they're halfway through their second season. You, assuming Memorial happens, and um, they let's say they move into Memorial uh, in another three years, so that's five seasons of USL play, um, generally going under the radar, not doing a whole lot when it comes to selling tickets. Do you think people are going to come out? to memorial to watch the team like as it as it currently stands like can you my my biggest concern i guess is that they're independence right now by not reaching out to families by um maybe providing a subpar product when it comes to stadium amenities and uh making it difficult for people to get out to games maybe having too high ticket prices for what the seats actually are and what is available to people once they're actually sitting in them. Um, Don't forget the field conditions as well. Yeah, we've had we've we struggle with field conditions over the past month or two, um, which is I mean is really unfortunate considering that you know when when it's good the field is great, but apparently oh, yeah. uh, you know with the team not being directly responsible for it, that uh, it definitely just hamstrings the team a little bit. But um, yep. considering all those factors, do you think that there's still going to be a, a sizable market for independents to be able to tap into and see three, four, five thousand people come out to games at Memorial? Because that's really what you, I mean, with a twenty million dollar investment into Memorial, the assumption is that this ownership team is eventually going to make an expansion bid for MLS, which right now, like, I don't want to really talk about. But in the meantime, <laughs> they need to see. They need to see butts in seats when they do go to Memorial before any kind of upward movement in the the soccer pyramid happens. So, do you think that there would still there's still a market for a professional soccer team that can get three, four, or five thousand seats? 
I do. Um, so when uh, I'll, I'll take uh, throw in uh, another one of the friends of, of your show and, and of mine, actually, uh, unfortunately for her, a relative of mine as well, Ashley. <laughs> she was she was thirteen, I think. We took her to an Eagles game, and uh, that game they were at the USL pro level. I think they just in USL at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, they had been winning. You know, but they were the only soccer option in the city, uh, and they had probably at that game, probably close to fifteen hundred, two thousand fans, and they were playing at one of the high school stadiums. Now I can't, I can't remember for life of me. It may have been Waddell. I think it was Waddell, and they they had a pretty packed house considering. And if you look at the difference between what the Eagles do and what the Independents do from a fan standpoint. The Eagles, you know, didn't sell beer. Um, they marketed strictly to families and the kids, and they gave away tickets. The, the I, it, I took it was me, my wife, um, Ashley, and my mother and father-in-law. Uh, it, was, it was about I can't remember if my daughter was born or not, but it was about six or seven of us. And it was very simple. I went to Mark Stephens, who was the coach at the time, and I said I want to bring them to the game. I didn't have a good job. I said, is there any kind of a discount? And he said, here, I'm going to give you all the tickets you need. You just tell me how many you need, and I'll have them at will call for you. And I did. And I went to that game completely for free. Now, that's not a great market or a great financial plan, but they made a fan of me for life. And I, to this day, I still support the Eagles. Um, I think that there's a market. And I've talked to people who aren't soccer fans who – would be willing to go to to watch a game or two to support a local team if it was in uptown, or to be frank, even if they knew where Ramblewood was, you know, they, they'd probably go. But being where it is, it's a little bit of a hike for some people. Um, it's just not convenient, and I think I think the ownership group knows that. And when it comes down to it. You know, we don't need to jump into, you know, the MLS talks. But when when you're trying to expand, the MLS looks for very specific, um, you know, touch points, if you will. And, and they're going to look for one, attendance. They're going to look for two, the economy of the, of the city where you're playing in the surrounding areas. And three, they're going to look at locations. And if you can get to Memorial, then you have the location. And I believe the city will support it because it has in the past. There's been a lot of missteps from the beginning of this, um, which we don't need to get into because that's, you know, some of it was not pleasant and some of it was just amateurish. And I think that's where they're falling into now while they don't have the attendance they do. And I've used that term amateurish quite a bit. But when you go out to Ramblewood, it just looks amateurish. It looks like a, it looks like a team that's not trying to succeed. And, when your ownership group owns a major league lacrosse team as well, that outdraws the soccer team. It makes you wonder where the marketing priorities are. And yeah, I don't want to put all the blame because people still have the, the choice to go out, but I don't think it's been done very well over the last year, especially. And one of the biggest problems I think is just the lack of communication. You know, what's going on with Memorial even if it's a simple statement saying, you know, we're, we're discussing Memorial, um, it's still on the county commissioner's hands, it's still our top priority. I, I haven't heard any of that. Maybe I've missed it. 
but I think if you would have had that from the start, and even you know even starting now, you start getting those people back that you had when we started because it used to be decent crowds at the beginning of it, and those people just faded away because Ramblewood is not the ideal option. So the market is still there, absolutely, and I think if you have a permanent home with amenities of a stadium, you know such as restroom facilities that are adequate, mm. uh, you know concession stands are adequate. Uh, stuff for the kids to do just so, you know, I can take my kids there and I have to worry about them and watch the game at the same time. I think that the the market will jump for them and I hope it does because I think it can succeed here and I know it's a big priority for the, the city and the county to, to make a bid and try to get an MLS team here and while I don't necessarily see it happening, I would definitely like to see the push for it if nothing else. I mean, Cincinnati draws 11,000 fans a game. That's Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, by all accounts, I would say Charlotte's better than Cincinnati, but not when it comes to drawing for soccer crowds. So my first call, if I was in the front office, would be to their marketing guy and just point blank say, what in the world are you doing? If anybody in the Independence front office uh, is listening to the show, I know the Cincinnati uh, marketing guy, so if you need his contact info, feel free to reach out at Crown Town Soccer on Twitter. Um, Brad, I said that that was going to be my last question, but uh, after, I, I think you brought up some good points there in your last bit, and I kind of want to put you on the spot uh, because uh, it makes me chuckle on the inside. Um, you you mentioned just uh, the amateurish uh, way that this Independence front office has handled the past uh, season and a half. Do you think that this is the this is the team that uh, succeeds in making Charlotte uh, a professional? Continues to be. I mean, Charlotte has had a professional soccer team, and I don't want to discount the 20 years that the Eagles had in Charlotte at multiple levels, whether semi-pro, pro, or amateur. Um, but with Independence being the sole professional soccer team now in Charlotte, is Independence the team to to continue that legacy that the Eagles left, or do you think that this team will eventually fade away? And we'll, we're going to have to wait on another ownership group and another franchise to to make Charlotte last as a, a city, a, a soccer city. I think this current one can, um, and, and I say that because it's the same ownership group essentially that runs the Hounds, and it's a more obscure sport. Granted, it's a little bit higher level in terms of talking to professional and semi. Well, I don't want to say semi pro because they are professional athletes, but the farm system. Uh, minor leagues, if you will, I think they can. Um, in its current form, in the way they're operating, no, not at all. And the the sad reality is, is I I think that there are not enough resources dedicated to the soccer side, um, and I think that there are, and the resources that they have dedicated to it maybe aren't the best options there. And, and I'm not saying that to get anybody fired or let go. I just think that some things need to be retooled. And I, I personally feel that, uh, and, you know, people can send me hate mail, you know, on Twitter, that's fine. Uh, I, I typically get a lot of it anyway, especially when discussing promotion and relegation. But the the current way that it's set up, I think is failing. And, but it's not failing on the other side, you know, so you can't market the two the same. 
you have to market them differently because they're they're different different levels of fans. But I will say this: I played soccer um, with a uh, with a guy um, who uh, has two boys who plays lacrosse, and they they also played soccer, but they play more lacrosse now. They go to more Hounds games than they do Independence games. Um, in fact, they go to more UNC Charlotte soccer games than they do independence games, which is pretty telling in its own right. But there is a there is a chance that, that this ownership group and the current way it's structured can make it succeed, but there will need to be some changes made. And I don't have those answers. That's why I'm not in that, that industry. That nobody ever calls me for my advice or opinions. <laughs> but it's it's just not working right now. And <clears throat> you know, if it's if it's because of the simple fact they're conserving and they're waiting to do all the big stuff they want to do for when Memorial launches or for the Swansea game, that's fine. That's that's absolutely right. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that's the right way to do it because Swansea's a draw. Uh, but if they're not, and this is the way it's going to operate, then uh, we won't see the independence here. As if we'll have to wait for another group to come in and buy it. So to answer your question, to make a short story even longer than it needed to be <laughs> at this moment in time with the way they're operating now. No, no, I don't, I don't see the independence being the, the, the team here. If that makes a push for MLS. Now, when they move to Memorial and things change, yes, potential there. Absolutely. But in its current form, unfortunately, no, I don't. We need Michael Jordan to come in and just, just say I'm more a team and talk to Jerry Richardson and say, we're going to play at Bank of America stadium you know, and then actually do the marketing side of things. And that's why I think playing at, at the ballpark would be so unique an experience because you're going to draw fans in. And then you can actually bring them in with the, you know, with the skill level and the play because it's, they're not a bad team. <laughs> like, that's the problem. They're not a bad team, but nobody can see it because nobody's willing to make the trek to Ramblewood or they don't know about it. I, a lot of good points, and I I can't find myself disagreeing with with many of them. Uh, that this is a uh, Brad Barnett, co-host of the new ESPN Charlotte podcast, the second Yellow Soccer Show. You can find the show on ESPNCharlotte.net. Um, Brad, are you guys pl- uh, gonna get the show up on uh, iTunes soon so people can subscribe? Yeah, they're they're, uh, they're talking about that. One thing that uh, you know when you when you do it with an actual studio and, and with a company like ESPN, you kind of have to do everything by on uh, with, with their side of things. And uh, the one thing that they truly like is that they can, you know, actually follow the statistics on the website, but uh, they are going to put it on iTunes eventually. Uh, but right now, if you just go to ESPNCharlotte.net underneath pod, uh, pod center, you'll be able to find it there. And um, we're going to record another one on Monday. That's going to be solely dedicated to the U S and, um, and, and the Copa. Uh, Copa America tournament. It's going to be a pretty heated because of the semifinal, but you know it's uh, should be a lot of fun as well. I should have Matt and Jason both in studio for that one. So eventually on iTunes right now, just ESPNCharlotte.net. We'll make sure uh, everybody that you bookmark their page that uh, that show about the the Copa America semifinal sounds very interesting to me, especially considering your. Your cast of characters all now we've <laughs> officially had all three of you on our show, and I cannot wait to to hear Matt and Jason's hot takes on the u s men's national team. really looking forward to it uh Brad uh thank you so much for joining us listeners uh follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Barnett two ts twenty five 
um, and to, to get even more uh, soccer hot takes from Brad. Um, stay tuned. Upcoming after this, closing out the show with your questions. Be right back. staying with me finishing out this show with your questions really just one question where the hell have i been this is the first show we've done in a month we were behind on before we recorded our previous episode a month ago truth is uh i'm finding it a little hard to navigate my schedules uh the schedules of of other folks and also, um, just with my work schedule, um, like, as some of you guys might know, I had a new job this season that I didn't have last season before when I started Crown Town Soccer and, and this podcast. The new job is a lot more demanding. I work a lot of Saturday nights when games are, um, work a lot where I'm not able to spend as much time with my family as, as I would like. And so I'm kind of having to pick and choose my moments as best as I can. And so I apologize if you've come to depend on Crown Town Soccer and this show um, for regular updates. That has always been my plan and I will do that as much and to the best of my abilities. Luckily, we do have several people in Charlotte that are continuing really great soccer coverage, mainly Ashley Mahoney from the Charlotte Post. You should absolutely give her a follow on the podcast side. Go listen to the the second Yellow Soccer Show with Brad, with, with Matt, and with Jason. All great guys, super knowledgeable guys. In the meantime, still planning on doing this show to the best of my abilities. Still planning on doing as much writing as I possibly can. Stay mainly on Twitter now. So keep an eye on our Twitter at Crown Town Soccer. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes or hit recommend on your overcast. Make sure that you subscribe, share, share with your friends. Hope to see you out uh, at another game or online. In the meantime, come on, you jacks.